Hello, this is Cliff McConville from Allgrass Farms. You're listening to Smart Talk. Mike Nowak show starts in three, two, one. It's loud in here, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> People of Earth, I got to talk about homeschool. Homeschool is crazy. All right, first of all, teachers everywhere, we're we're sorry. We're sorry. We didn't I, like I didn't, like we knew, but we didn't know. Homeschooling is this weird. It's it's a mix. It's a mix. At one at one moment you're you're really proud and and there's all this triumph and you're looking at your child like wow that's amazing. I didn't even know you could do that. The very next minute you're yelling like what happened? I thought you said you could read. Oh yes yes the answer seven seven just write down seven just write seven write seven just write seven the answer seven you told me it was seven why are you crying? It ain't easy. We've only got two. One's in, one's in first grade. The other one's in preschool. And we're still like, <gasps> I'm just glad we're still smarter than their work. We're still smarter than their work. So it's not that, that that's not getting the best of us. It's us. We suck at it. Teachers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. You're amazing. You have to be that kind of a person in order to be a teacher. You know what I mean? Not everybody can just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'd be snapping on them. After the apocalypse is over, I'm joining a parent-teacher association organization. I'm joining the school board. I'm going to all the school board meetings. I'm running for class president. Every time a teacher jumps up and says, we need a thing, I'm like, yes, vote it. They get it. Give it to them. They, first of all, they should be getting tips. We're going to start bringing them glasses of wine. Every teacher should get a free butler. We should have, like, an adopt-the-teacher program. Teachers should get, like, free clothing. Teachers should get, I think we got to start giving teachers free cable. Uh, thank you, teachers, for what you do. Just freaking thank you. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the main. Welcome to the show. Here we are. Uh, in our wherever we are in our homes. Mine's in the living room and um, I still haven't uh, fixed my uh, my euphorbia in the background that's sort of listening to port Aww. over there. However, I have something to show you. Um, and uh, those of you who are watching on the used tubes and the Facebooks, um, and that is these flowers. Look at the flowers. This was made by my neighbor and her son. Uh, she got laid off due to the uh, pandemic. Uh, they're at home. They're, they're, um, you know, and these are made of paper. 
these are like construction paper flowers and they're they're the most amazing things i've ever construction seen paper peonies the construction pa- I, yeah or zinnias or something like that it's, they're gorgeous they're just pretty ma- how old is uh, uh remington he's like 11 or 12 so he helped out with this and so uh they get a little ding there uh and so this brightens my day and it's the way we start the show so i'm i'm sticking them in the pot with the faded amaryllis <laughs> i have others that are about to bloom they'll I, be out I there can't bl- bring mine in yet because it still hasn't bloomed for three weeks it looks like it's been blooming oh really okay today we're going to the chicago botanic garden uh we're going to talk about what it's like to grow fifty thousand plants and nobody's around to help you do it uh with uh, lisa hilgenberg that's going to be uh, a treat and then we're going to be talking about trees it's the mike novak show with peggy molecki from our cloistered abodes we'll be right back we live in challenging times they can also be challenging times for your trees Bartlett Tree Experts understands that, and because their number one concern is safety, routine tree work will be paused during the COVID-19 crisis in America. Bartlett's commitment to safety means being prepared and taking the necessary precautions to ensure the health and safety of their employees and their customers. However, even during a stay-at-home order, storms still happen and trees need essential services performed on them. These include storm damage mitigation, hazard tree removal, deadwood removal that may endanger the public, and treatments to trees that, if not made in a timely fashion, could lead to the death of the tree. That's why Bartlett constantly reviews disease control and prevention guidelines to keep its teams and you safe. If you think your tree needs emergency treatment, give the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts a call because even in a pandemic, every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Small food operations of all kinds, farms, CSAs, and farmers markets are going through uncertain times. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki has just launched a campaign called Keep Eating Healthy. Farmers, here's your chance to get the word out to our loyal, committed listeners in difficult times. Write to Mike at MikeNovak.net for more information. We'll tell you how we can help you market your products. Let's help each other out. That's Mike at M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. This is Peggy Malecki on the Smart Talk Radio Network with an important message about coronavirus. As we work to slow the spread of COVID-19, it's also important to take care of our animal companions, have extra food and medication on hand, and create a plan for taking care of your pets if you should get sick. Pet support services are more important than ever. Check with your local shelter or rescue to help them with a donation. Consider fostering or adopting a pet. We're all in this together. Visit humanesociety.org. This is Mike Novak. For weeks, Peggy and I have been talking about how easy it is to support clean energy thanks to Hero Power. And now they're backing that up by offering you $25 off to join the Hero Power Clean Energy Program. You get 100% of your electricity consumption matched with Green E certified renewable energy certificates every time you pay your electric bill. Plus, you'll never pay more than the ComEd rate. You'll know where your money is going without extra costs or 
termination fees. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. You still pay the ComEd basic electric rate. Sign up in less than two minutes and Hero Power will handle the rest. Plus, you can get a $25 credit off your first bill when you sign up and mention that you heard about Hero Power on the Mike Novak Show. Support clean energy now at MyHeroPower.com. I switched. You should too. Go to MyHeroPower.com. Yeah, there's the advice to the wise right there. Turn off the news and build a garden. Uh, I couldn't think of a better thing to do. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's, uh, that was the Nelson family, as in Willie Nelson and family. And I forget the name. I had it in front of me, but I've had to shut down all the apps on my computer right now because it was saying that my my Zoom signal was weak. Turned out... <laughs> I, I had so many things open on the computer, um, but, you know, and I want to say, Tucker, no, that's not right. Uh, Tyler, uh, no, that's not right. Not one of those, I, I'm not sure what his name is, but the Nelsons, they did one of those coronavirus uh, sing-alongs uh, on the stream so that people could watch. And it's amazing how creative people are getting in this time mm-hmm. where folks are cooped up in their homes and broadcasting and and Zoom casting and Skype casting, all kinds of things out there, and radio casting like we're doing right now. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're live, but we're in our homes. We hope you join us. We're going to get to Lisa Hilgenberg in just a second. However, there is a lot of uncertainty in the world right now. That's why the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki has just launched a campaign called Keep Eating Healthy where we feature local farms and food services that you should know about. Community-supported agriculture is a system of farmers and eaters coming together uh, together in a mutually beneficial relationship. And what we have been able to do is bring a couple of those farms uh, onto our Keep Eating Healthy program. We want to introduce you to Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery with a herd of about 75 milking does um, they make seasonal artisan goat cheeses and goat milk gelato with their milk. The goats are pastured. When I first saw that, I wanted to say pasteurized, but no, they're pastured. There's a difference. And the farm is certified animal welfare approved by a greener world. They even have a stay at home gourmet survival kit. I know, Peggy, you were looking at that, weren't you? Uh, I was looking more at the uh, three cheeses. <laughs> okay. Um, then there's cedar. What? No, I said I would eat the crackers too quickly. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm CSA is a number, other part of our keep eating healthy campaign. Uh, they feature monthly shares of beef, pork, chicken, and eggs, all humanely raised without drugs or hormones. They have delivery locations throughout the city and suburbs and feature additional social distancing measures for everyone's well-being. You can learn more about ordering local fresh food from these farms by clicking on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. When we all help each other, everybody wins. Go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net for more details. 
and welcome back to the program. And we're very pleased. Usually you're in studio with us, uh, Lisa Hilgenberg, uh, who's a director, horticulturist uh, of the Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Mike and Peggy. I'm happy to be with you today. Good morning. Uplifting. Yeah. Those of you watching on the stream can see that Lisa has her Chicago Botanic Garden hat on. Uh, I used to have one of those and I, and I played enough softball in it that it got beat up pretty good. So it's time for me to get another one. <laughs> we'll make sure you get one, Mike. And I had to clean mine this morning because I was power washing yesterday, getting ready for uh, the spring here at my house. And uh, it was so dirty, I had to wash it off this morning. But we'll make sure you get another one. Uh, well, that, that that's quite all right. I mean, yeah, if, if you can, don't worry about it for now, because we all have other uh, needs and concerns. Uh, and for you, this is a time of year when you would normally come on our show and you'd say, boy, I've got all these things going at the Chicago Bet Botanic Garden. I can't wait till we open the doors and bring in all these people, and they're going to see all these fruits and vegetables we've got growing there. That ain't happening this year, is it? It's true. The garden, uh, the grounds, um, the whole botanic garden, all the buildings um, are closed through the end of the month. So through April 30th, that's a little fluid as the situation involves, evolves, but um, all the programming, uh, the school of the botanic garden and all the events are canceled through the end of April. Um, a bright light, however, is that the farm on Ogden um, and all of their farm sites, while they're closed to the public, are still producing um, produce. So they're producing their um, 2,500 heads of lettuce weekly, and um, they're you know maintaining that same level of production with um, their aquaponics. So that's a, a real bright light, and that produce is going to the Greater Chicago Food Depository now. So um, uh, helping out uh, where it's most needed. That's great. I mean, those are, by the way, folks who are listening might wonder, those are, I would guess you could consider them satellite operations of the Chicago Botanic Garden. And I would imagine this is happening all over the country, places, different uh, uh, arboreta and and uh, botanical gardens. You guys call it a botanic garden, but botanical gardens are, are, are growing things. And instead of just showing to the public, and then they usually give to, to worthy operations, but even more so during the COVID-19 crisis. So that's what you're doing. But my question to you is, I was thinking about this as I knew, when I knew you were going to be on the show. Uh, normally, you come in and you say, yeah, I'm in charge of 50,000 plants and I've got 25 volunteers and we all get out there. What happens now that the grounds are closed to the public? Are you still able to have volunteers? Are you still going to put as many plants in the ground? What's going on? So spring has been shelved. Um, the spring plantings are um, not happening um, and we're looking forward to summer. So again, we're looking forward to opening um, in May. Our goal is May 1st. Um, the volunteer teams are on hold until then, hopefully in their home gardens, um, which we all are. Um, and the, the essential staff at the Chicago Botanic Garden is caring for you know, 2.6 million plants in our permanent collection. So there are people on the ground that are, that are caring for um, the summer um, annuals and um, this, we're gonna have sort of a, um, a minimized summer display. But uh, we're working hard to, um, to maintain the collection that we have uh, at the Botanic Garden. 
it's very important work and and that critical operations staff is is at the garden um, and they're maintaining all of those social distancing protocols um, you know sanitation and and all of that um, and I suggest that listeners um, go to our website to find out what's happening we're working on some really fun social media um, as well so you can check our Instagram um, and uh, Facebook and then chicagobotanic.org to to um, find updates on what's blooming because the critical operations staff is photographing some of the plants that are blooming. Just in case you need a botanic garden fix, you can go to our, our website and find out what's happening at the garden um, behind the scenes because the doors are locked through the end of the month. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I hope they don't lock you guys in. Uh, but uh, I, am I to assume then First of all, I'm stunned. I'm kind of surprised that you're not going to do any of the spring stuff. Was that a difficult decision to make? Well, it certainly wasn't my decision, and I'm sure it was um, painful. You know, no one likes to, um, you know, the plants are thought about a long time in advance. We make plans a year in advance. And um, so those plants were in propagation, and it's very difficult to make decisions to, um, you know, um, it's, it, these are unprecedented times, and this, you know, brings to mind some of the real positives that we can take from this going forward. The importance of knowing how to grow your own vegetables or support your local farmer. What more important message could we get from this? In fact, I got out my Victory Garden uh, book. I have this old um, uh, Victory Garden, um, sort of a photocopy of this great book, um, and it's, it's vegetable gardening during wartime. You know, a kitchen garden in pots is is possible at home as we're struggling to get through this. And my mouth has been salivating thinking about eating some of those cool season greens. Um, and I'm starting them as fast as I can in my basement. Mm-hmm. So I brought a couple of packs today to show you what I'm going to start. Oh, great. Um, but it's it's important. And then, you know, thinking about vegetable gardening techniques, too, that will sort of maintain the supply of vegetables in your um, in your kitchen during a time like this where grocery shopping is difficult, um, succession planting, and how to manage some of that, planting a little bit of lettuce every Monday morning, just like Thomas Jefferson did. Um, uh-huh. so it caused some real creative, resilient, um, you know, um, gardeners are incredible. So we're going to get through this. Um, but I, I think um, thinking about some of those techniques is is important at this time. I, do you have that calendar going off in your head right now, even though you're not out there doing it uh, and thinking, well, let's see, we're on the we're the first week of April. This is what I would normally be doing. Is is that still going through your mind? You know, it is. And I've been doing a little bit of that at home, direct sowing. As Peggy's such a proficient vegetable gardener, I bet you're doing a little of the same. Um, I haven't been doing direct sowing. I'm starting everything inside, but yes. I'm like you have been. You know what? I I don't understand what's wrong with me because I've actually gotten things done this year. Uh, and people keep saying, wow, you must have all that extra time. And I'm saying, no, I don't. I'm busier than ever. I've never, I've never been this busy. And yet I understood that uh, we, I had to go out and plant things. So let's yeah, see. A, past, a new sense of urgency, a different urgency. Uh, Something like that. And that's yeah. what I think people are feeling all over the country. Um, and I, this week I planted a uh, couple of types of spinach, some lettuce, uh, some broccoli, some kale, um, some peas, uh, and beets. Um, and I have some of those growing indoors already. What I did is I decided, well, I'm going to 
I'm going to germinate some of them indoors, see how they do and do transplants. And I have my beets here indoors are rocking right now and very, and the kale. Uh, but I thought, you know what, let's direct seed as well. And, and we'll, I'll try a little of both and, uh, and see how they do. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to break my arm, patting myself on the back, but I, I am surprised that I got that much Good done. Evening. Well, thank you. Good for you. And I think what's also interesting because we had the mild winter, a lot of us have things that are over that have overwintered. My kale, I've got four kale plants from last year that are just taken off right now. They're doing fabulous outside. My parsley's up. I know Mike, you said your your broccarab or whatever it is. It's a, it's either a broccolini. I mean, I, I, I got to show it to you, Lisa, because I'm not sure if it's a, a rob or a, a, a broccolini. Is that what they call it? Um, uh, but it, it comes back every year and they're not supposed to be perennials. And they even came back. It even came back when we had that brutal winter a couple of seasons ago. And I'm thinking, I got to save these seeds. I think I got something special here. <laughs> you know, most, most brassicas are, uh, well, they are biennial. So it's not that unusual. They'll, um, you know, the foliage will form the first year and then they'll send up their seed stock the second year. Um, hybridization has changed a little bit of that. And, um, you know, certainly we see bolting broccoli the first year, but generally speaking, brassicas are, are biennials. Most other annual vegetables like tomatoes and peas and beans are annual vegetables. So they go from seed to seed in one year. Um, so it's interesting. That's, um, you know, if you travel to Europe and Portugal, for instance, they have kale plants that are as tall as people. Um, right by their front doors and they're overwintering those year after year after year and they're just harvesting from the bottom of the stock and then the plant continues to stretch and grow um, and produce foliage. So it's fun to experiment in the garden. It's great that you're doing that and I love the idea that you're planting repeatedly and you're planting in different ways to sort of hedge your bets just to make sure that something will work. I think that's really important. I hope everyone can go outside today and just plant, plant some leftover seed. You know, I've noticed that some of the seed companies are closed. Johnny's Selected Seed, for instance, isn't even sending seeds to anybody but commercial farmers now. So seed, um, you know, you might check a local garden center and see if they have um, some seed that they can send to you if you don't have any. But yeah. um, plant some seed and keep on planting. I, I sent to you, Mike, last night, uh, one of the other seed companies, Tarar, said, if you just placed your order last week, you will get it probably the end of May. It's just it's great. unbelievable the run on seeds right now and people are going to have a hard time. So this is a, a time when you might go to your local garden center if you can. Um, I heard from Vern Goer's Greenhouse in Hinsdale, Dan Costa. He said, we've got seeds um, and this is one place you might go. If So find your local friendly garden center, independent garden center and shop. Okay, we've got Lisa uh, Hilgenberg with us. We'll be right back. We're talking vegetable gardens. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. It's a good time to be a bug and a bad time to be a tree. That's according to Jeff Hickey of the University of Idaho. Based on aerial surveys, he estimates that since 1997, bark beetles have killed more than 5% of the forested area in the western United States. And global warming is likely to make the problem worse. Hickey says that droughts in the northwest can leave trees stressed and more vulnerable to attack. Meanwhile, rising temperatures can make the beetles more numerous. For 
mountain pine beetle, which is the most damaging of the bark beetle species in Western North America, we expect warming to reduce beetle mortality during wintertime. Warming also speeds up the development of insects so that more generations of the beetles can be born each year. And like something out of a horror movie, when more beetles emerge at the same time, they can mount mass attacks that overwhelm a tree's natural defenses. Temperature will allow populations to synchronize within a stand, emerge, and move to the next tree to attack it more successfully. So climate change could lead to even more bark beetle outbreaks in already stressed western forests. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. This is Peggy Malecki from the Smart Talk Radio Network. One of the best ways to help out during the COVID-19 crisis is to donate blood. It doesn't cost you anything but your time, and the good it will do is immeasurable. Right now, fewer people than ever are able to donate, which makes the need for blood greater than ever. Can you spare an hour? Contact the American Red Cross today to schedule an appointment. Go to redcross.org. Just keep that music playing because you know what it is. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. Don't care if Mark Zuckerberg zaps us because you got to hear this phrase. I get a fever that's so hard to bang. You give me fever. Ah, yeah. This is in honor of the COVID-19 crisis. Peggy Lee, fever. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have Lisa Hilgenberg with us from the Chicago Botanic Garden. She is horticulturist of the Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden. And one of the things we're getting notes on here, Lisa, because we started talking about annual, I'm sorry, perennial vegetables, and people are interested in their perennial vegetables. I was thinking the fruits in the garden still have to be looked at because many of those are perennial, right? That's true. Well, they're woody plants. So the fruit trees, um, we did lots of pruning uh, before the garden uh, closed and we've gotten lots done. And so that critical care is happening now. And um, we've pruned kiwis and the stone fruits and all of the apples. Um, the whole large apple orchard was pruned before, um, you know, the early part of March, late February and early March. So a lot of that has been done. The pear collection has been Pruned. So thankfully, that work happens well before the annual vegetables would go in the ground. So uh, the timing was was just fine. The collection at the fruit and vegetable garden will be um, in fine shape and will be productive this year. Fantastic. So there you go. You will have some uh, perennial vegetables, as you say, the woody plants. Uh, some of the questions coming in, and I know we're, we're having... Uh, Various issues, Peggy, here. I don't know if folks can see us. Some of us can, can see us and they can't hear us or or they can hear us or they can't see us. Um, uh, I'm watching on Facebook Live right now and we're up there. So Okay, cool. Sure. I'm, gla- I'm glad we're there. Yeah. Let's just make sure. Now we have a question from Carol saying, are there any fruits that can be grown in a, con- in a container? That's a great question. And um, 
as part of a kitchen garden in pots that everybody can do at home. Um, there's a whole line of berry shrubs that can be grown in uh, large terracotta containers or large plastic pots. So we're talking about three gallons or five gallon pots, um, large terracotta containers. Um, and you wanna give the plant as much rooting depth as possible. But these are plants that um, are self-pollinating. So there's a, a line of blueberry shrubs, for instance, uh, pink lemonade. Um, uh, the, it's the bushel and berry um, series of mm -hmm. plants. Um, so raspberries as well, small strawberry shortcake is uh, a raspberry shortcake. Um, they're a beautiful line and I believe um, they're owned by uh, Star Roses now. And so you can find those in the bushel and berry pot at the garden center. Um, and you know, just a note, my local garden center is making home deliveries. So if you have um, plants that you, you you know, would like to order. Um, I think many garden centers are doing yeah. that. You don't have to uh, compromise, um, you know, or risk it, your health. You can also go and pick up. So if you yeah. can specify certain plants, and I'm happy to answer some questions on Facebook. And again, check our website and we'll put some of that information um, out. But berries and, shrub and uh, small fruiting shrubs in containers is entirely possible. The beauty of that is that you can tweak the pH a little bit in um, most of those plants are very, um, they love acidic soil. So you can plant with a little uh, pine bark mulch mm -hmm. um, and you can uh, plant them in containers. I actually uh, have a couple of those bushel and berry blueberries that um, they have berries on them now. They seem to be self-pollinating. It's the yeah. weirdest thing. I don't know how you keep them alive. Peg. It's the same ones. I know because they, we had bushel and okay here's here's the difference they're, they're in my basement and and there's and basil is barking at the blueberries right now in the <laughs> sorry background. and um i i got the bushel and berry back where they were called brazel berries that's they when were. They, yeah and mm -hmm. i can't i can't keep the blueberries alive okay they just they fade they they poop out after a while mine um, are literally in the basement <laughs> wow well maybe that's it you brought them in i yeah I, i'm the kind of guy that says you're outside. Deal with it. Um, if it's if you can't stay alive, I'll I'll put you in a protected part of the yard. I'll protect you a little bit. But if you're if you can't stay alive, I'm not going to coddle you. So I'm moving on to the next thing. Now that said, the raspberries that I got in uh, back when they were the bushel and berry series, <laughs> they escaped. I had one. <laughs> I had one uh, set on soil in the backyard in a container. The roots came out through the bottom of the container into the soil and cultivated that area. I pulled the pot up and it broke free of the roots and the roots that were mm -hmm. there, they stayed. And now they've become a patch of raspberries while I still have the other raspberries in the container, which I continue to move around the yard. So uh, raspberries, they're, they're pretty tough. They're tenacious. They stem root in and, and would would be great plants to take cuttings from and then spread mm -hmm. them around as well. Um, the, um, um, the, the key with that is that the pots are the, the part that you want to overwinter in your basement. Likely, you know, it's likely that your terracotta pot will break in the winter and that's why people bring them in. But we have them in the garden as well. They're just a smaller statured mm -hmm. uh, plant, um, so two by two, something like that. They're bred for yeah, they're maybe grower. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some other. Uh, obviously, there are woody plants that are 
perennial plants, the fruits. But some people were saying there are other examples. I saw somebody write about rhubarb. I saw somebody write about uh, asparagus. I planted, I finally, after too many years of thinking about it, I planted asparagus last year. And I, I got like out of the whole row of uh, roots, I got like two plants came up. So I'm going to have to add to that. But they, I'm hoping they'll be back this year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm Minimize looking, oh. the, you know, sort of your weed competition and make sure that they have um, a nice shovel full of compost if you have or um, uh, I don't know if you're composting at home, Mike, but that yes, would be. Yes, I am. I am. So I, I, I do spread that. Uh, you know, it's like it is gold. They call it black gold. I treat it like gold because I have a small composter. So I use it where it's absolutely needed. Totally. And asparagus and some of those perennial vegetables have taken on new importance in a, in a time like this where it is difficult to buy seeds and, and sort of start your garden. Um, if you're looking for transplants. So perennial vegetables are those that live over the winter, their root system lives over the winter, um, and they come back every year. So that includes horseradish, um, chives, asparagus, um, rhubarb, certainly, um, Jerusalem artichoke, um, artichokes, for that matter. So there's a whole group of vegetables that were very important to, um, you know, our ancestors as they were, um, you know, minimizing their purchases, just like we are today. Uh, so those are plants that could really use a boost of fertility. Um, and then harvest um, minimally the first year. With your asparagus, any shoots that do produce, you can cut those off just sort of horizontally right at the ground, Mike. Um, but the- I know, that's gonna break, it's gonna break my heart to do it, but I do, I do know, they say second year, sometimes third year before yeah. Uh, not second year, third year before you start to harvest and maybe longer you have to wait. Before but you, you really start to see, you know, if you leave the shoot in the ground, if it's a female plant, it will send up a, a seed stock and try to go to seed. And you want to make sure that you take those off or dig up that um, that root just because it won't produce the male spears, which are the delicious eating spears. Um, the asparagus is delicious right now. Much of it's grown in Michigan. And um, so good luck with uh, growing that. It's a, it's a wonderful crop. Okay. Yeah. We've got a quick question real quick, about 30 seconds. Somebody started beets inside. How, do, how big do the seedlings need to get before you transplant outside? I think you could almost tease apart the beet seedlings. You know, they're oftentimes multi-sowed in one little soil block inside. And then when you take them outside, the soil block may break apart a little bit. And you can certainly transplant those as just that little uh, feathery um, thread-like plant. And maybe an inch or two, um, it's about the soil temperatures outside. And I haven't taken them recently, but my guess is that you know, the soil is friable. It's um, certainly not too wet um, right now. And you could plant those beets now. I actually, I actually did a little soil temperature last week in various parts in the shade uh, by my house. Uh, the soil temperature was about 50. Um, uh, out in the sun, it was closer to 60. So yeah. yeah, it does vary. And you'll have different microclimes in your garden area. And I think spinach and radish germinate between 38 and 42 degree soils, and that's why they're the earliest um, planted crops. Um, and now we're getting into that 50 range, um, and you can almost think about starting some peas outside. The germination rate will and um, timing will certainly increase as the soil gets warmer, but um, go for it. All right. Um, any others there? We have like 30, even less than that, like 20 seconds. How about a few closing words there, Lisa? 
Well, start some plants inside. I've got a whole group of seed packets that have been, it's, you know, I had to, I was dragging my feet. I hadn't started yet and it made me feel so good. And now they're up and it's so nice to see that bright green. So mm-hmm. start with, you don't need anything but a yogurt container to do that. All Get right. We're done. We're, we're done. Lisa, we've got to say goodbye. Bye. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Lisa. Thank you okay. so much. Thanks, Thanks for We'll be right back. There's a new urgency for people to grow their own food. And thanks to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, your seedlings will be healthier with a better germination rate and faster growth. You'll get lower operating costs and higher yields. That's because the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They have a 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, and they're made in America. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase and go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. The world has changed. A year ago, you were growing food because it was fun. Now it's important. That's why you need Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. Thanks to the best science, the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They're versatile, they're elegant, they have a five-year warranty, and they're made in America. Peggy and I are huge fans. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase. Go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. This is Peggy Malecki from the Smart Talk Radio Network. One of the best ways to help out during the COVID-19 crisis is to donate blood. It doesn't cost you anything but your time, and the good it will do is immeasurable. Right now, fewer people than ever are able to donate, which makes the need for blood greater than ever. Can you spare an hour? Contact the American Red Cross today to schedule an appointment. Go to redcross.org. From small boat to your dinner table with a quick stop at your doorstep. The seafood at Sitka Salmon Shares comes from a collective of small boat fishermen who respect the ocean and its sea life. They're a community-supported fishery like your CSA. Instead of produce, they bring you responsibly harvested, wild-caught Alaskan seafood. The fish is in season and reflects the limits of nature. You even know who caught the fish. It's right on the box. Sign up today. I did. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Hey, this is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine. And for the past 10 years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier and greener lives. Pick up your copy of Natural Awakenings each month and enjoy great information about integrative health, local and organic foods, healthy families, personal growth, our environment, and following a more sustainable lifestyle. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in locations throughout Chicago and suburbs or read us online at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net or also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net.
Coronavirus times living. <laughs> uh, counting flowers on the wall. It's it's a, it's a, we were sitting here the other day and Kathleen said, "Oh yeah, we gotta we gotta play that song." So uh, I put that in the rotation. Um, that's the Statler Brothers, and and we actually had a comment earlier from Wally who didn't like uh, my choice of tunes uh, when I, we played Fever from uh, Peggy uh, Lee. Um, uh, Wally, you haven't even begun to experience the dark side of my humor, okay? Uh, I, I Watch thought, out, Wally. I thought it was funny, okay? I think, what can I tell you? Uh, welcome back to the show, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Look who we have on the Zoom machine. It is Scott Jameson from Bartlett Tree Experts. Uh, and in full disclosure, of course, they are our primary sponsor of uh, our show, but the reason Scott's here today, you know, normally during the course of the year, we get your arborists in here, sometimes even you, mm-hmm. and um, we uh, talk about tree issues and uh, what uh, folks should be doing during the course of the year. It's spring. There's lots happening with your trees. Guess what, folks? Uh, there's a stay-at-home order yeah, for about uh, 90% of the country right now. So that affects arborists. But one thing you might want to know is that some kinds of landscaping are considered essential businesses uh, in this time. And one of those businesses is uh, tree care. So, um, Scott, tell us about that. What is uh, Bartlett doing now that everybody's hunkered down at home? Well, it, it, good morning, everybody. It, it, it uh, still changes almost daily, but you know, currently, uh, uh, landscaping arboriculture has been deemed an essential service. But we're really prioritizing the work that we do on uh, people's properties. It's not business as usual. Uh, first and foremost, we're taking care of our teammates, our employees, um, through real rigorous new protocols around sanitation and hygiene, uh, hand sanitizers, wipes. We're disinfecting the trucks. We're keeping our teammates separated from each other so they're not riding in the same vehicle. They're driving out to job sites. Uh, you know, the good news for arborists uh, specifically is we've kind of always practiced social distancing. You know, we've, we're up in a tree. We're on the ground. We're really spread out. We don't operate in, in teams or clusters of a lot of people. So uh, we've just enhanced that. So that's the most important thing that we've uh, done is taking care of our people. And then from there, we make sure we're taking care of our clients by limiting the interactions. We're not knocking on doors. We're, we're phoning them when we arrive. We're waving at them through the windows, communicating through the windows, uh, all that sort of stuff. So we're really taking a lot of precautions. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, we are out taking care of uh, safety issues, uh, things that might jeopardize trees, health down the road that need to be taken care of now, and certainly in any hazardous situations, uh, big limbs over properties, hazardous trees, those sorts of things. So we've we've changed our operations for sure. Yeah, you you wrote to me that uh, sort of the normal tree care is on hold for the moment, uh, but I don't know. I don't think folks understand the difference between what is normal tree care and let's mm-hmm. use air quotes for that normal tree care. And emergency tree care, as you said, uh, dangerous limbs, uh, you know, storm damage, obviously, is it goes in the category of emergency care, right? 
Absolutely. You know, uh, certainly dead wood, uh, dead trees that might fall on folks. And some of this has actually been clarified by the state of Illinois and other states, Pennsylvania, Indiana, a number of states that we operate in have actually uh, come out right out and said landscaping uh, should continue, must continue, uh, just modify your business. So we've we've lack, loosened that up a little bit. Uh, right when this first happened, we were just focusing on hazardous trees and things that really could hurt somebody. Now we're also looking at how the, the deferred maintenance might uh, jeopardize a tree's health down the road. So, you know, we're being very careful in what we do. And as I said, it's not uh, business as usual, but certainly um, safety related issues are our priority right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you also mentioned to me, let's take trees that need to have their uh, application uh, for emerald ash borer to protect them from emerald ash borer. That's going to mm-hmm. need to continue. Definitely. Isn't it? Right. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, certain windows and timing when you can take care of those things. So, uh, you know, we're on the, the brink of that season. Uh, uh, for instance, elms and oaks right now, we're trying to finish pruning those because you can't prune those typically after April 15th, late April, depending on the temperatures, because uh, of the potential spread of uh, Dutch elm disease or oak wilt. So we're making sure we're getting that work done right now in this window before the season hits. Yeah, that's usually what is that? Uh, you said uh, April fifteenth. That's usually yeah. the cutoff date, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a it's it's just a date on a calendar. It really has to do with degree days and when when the beetle might start flying around that spreads the disease. So, you know, I would say spring is kind of on track. Maybe a little slow right now. I'd, I'd be curious. We've been looking at degree days, and and certainly the southern part of Illinois is much much uh, more ahead of us right now. So it's kind of on track, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Peggy, do you want to handle that question? Did you see the question? That yeah. Came- there's, there's a question from Shelly. She says, I have a 20 year old sugar maple with some dead wood at the center top. What should I do right now? Well, again, if it's uh, it, that sort of work uh, is prioritized, that sort of work we could take care of. Um, I, I would have that. I would have an arborist come out and take a look at that and see if we can take care of it. Absolutely. Uh, and that bring, raises uh, raises another point here uh, about getting people to come out. Um, what should people keep in mind when they're going to ask you to come out? I guess you you can consult with them on the phone and say, yeah. well, it doesn't sound like it's a serious problem and maybe we don't need to be there. But at some point, you might actually have to go out and take a look. Oh, and, and we are. We're doing that currently. And I, like I said, a lot of it's on the phone. I, the, the good thing, I guess, for Arborist right now, her people are at home. So they're looking at their trees. We can communicate with them. A lot of times, you know, they're at work and we, we have to send emails. But, you know, now we can, you know, we have these laser pointers that we can use and, yeah. and point up into the tree and show people what need to be done and talk to them um, uh, via the phone. And that seems to be working fine. Or even emails, texting. A lot of our clients like to be texted these days. So we're, we're doing that as well. I hadn't thought about that, but you know, now <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of you guys driving up in separate vehicles, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine somebody trails, if you've got, you need one truck, somebody trails in the car. Is that, is that how? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So you've got, and I didn't even think about that, but you're right. You don't even want those two people in the same truck together. Uh, And so you pull up and then you've got the laser pointer. You're waving to people through the window and pointing up at the tree with the laser pointer and saying, yeah, you might want to get rid of that because that looks like the problem. Right. Exactly. In some situation, we were out, uh, and I think we're still going to be out at Millennium Park. You know, they closed Millennium Park, and yet maintenance needs to go on. So in some mm-hmm. regards, that's helped us uh, get in there with uh, Scott Stewart's blessing there at, the, at Millennium Park and take care of the trees when no one's around, which is which is excellent. So we've been able to do some projects like that. Uh, other places don't want us out. So it's 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 place by place. 
it's policy by policy and it's, it changes all the time. And so we just have to remain very focused on safety first and foremost for our people and our clients. And I have, Mike, if I can say one thing, we had a really cool story this week uh, in our Cleveland office. Um, we uh, had an appointment with an Akron police officer. Our rep said, hey, how's it going? He says, we need masks and uh, sanitizing material. So he was able to deliver some masks that we had on hand to the Akron police department. And we got a nice shout out on Facebook. So we're yeah. trying to help in any way we can. All right. Go to Bartlett.com if you need anything. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and it's uh, just another COVID-19 Sunday here in uh, the neighborhood and in your neighborhood. And, and guess what? Everybody's neighborhood all across the country. So the the, the advice we have to you is uh, stay inside. Safe at home is, is my baseball yes. metaphor. Safe at safe. At safe home. at home at home hashtag hashtag all in illinois um and i want to address real very quickly we we got a, a tweet somebody said uh why are you telling people to go out right now at all stop saying this we're not saying that we never said it we never said it at all uh the idea that we repeatedly said it is nonsense um the only thing we said is go out in your backyard and garden and we said that uh, arborists might need to come by and wave at you through the window. We talked about using the, the laser pointer, for goodness sake, so that they can point to you uh, your own tree problems uh, through the window. And then they can address them. That's and they can, they can text you photos. Uh, I, you know, I've been uh, on lockdown for 20-something days now. Um, I, I, uh, my mama's son ain't no fool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's all I got to say about that. And if you're going out and uh, and you're interacting with people, you are a fool. That's all I need to say. And you're putting the rest of us in danger. That's what you're doing. And if, if you're in one of those states right now that doesn't have a lockdown order, well, you're you're well, make your own so, lockdown order. Yeah, or, you stay know, home. Just stay home. Stay home. But can we thank somebody who is out and in the studio today? Um, well, Mr. Andrew. Well, I will. I was going to hold on to that. Oh, Let's okay. Thing first, and then we'll okay. get to that. All right, so drum roll, please. Coming up on Gabby Road with Hannah, Fred, and Justin today, we'll find out how COVID-19 is affecting religion and real estate, and that is from 11 to 1 today. And then coming up at 3 o'clock is the Elizabeth Alfano Show with Dr. Carla Hightower and Dr. Ashwani Garg to talk about the doctor is dialed in and how we can boost our immune systems with plant-based diets. So 11 to 1, Gabby Road, and 3 to 4, Elizabeth Alfano, and then 1 to 3, playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. And I thought I had this. I, I'll see. Now it's not. I, oh, this, now it's going to drive me crazy. Oh, boy. I had, I had the sound effect up here. Uh, you keep talking. Let's, uh, let's, let's do our little trivia because we only got a couple of minutes here. Uh, Andrew Marshall. Uh, who's been uh, engineering uh, for us now for a couple of years, close to a couple of years, 
uh, is leaving. He's going off to the big time uh, to college and um, not right this second because they're on lockdown too. But um, this is his last day. So, Andrew, we got it. We had to do a shout out and I had my data thing here and it's not playing and I don't know oh, why it's not playing. I know okay. it's going to make me make me crazy because it's supposed to be coming out of here, but it, but it's not. So um, we are just going to say thank you uh, so much uh, for being such a great part of the show and of a lot of shows here at Smart Talk Radio, WCGO. Um, and, uh, we're just wishing you the best dude. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, you can't even imagine <laughs> what Andrew has had to deal with <laughs> in the, in the last couple of years here. And, uh, always, uh, you know, he gets into the studio about 2 AM and just sits around <laughs> for five hours waiting for that first phone call. Actually, he doesn't, but uh, he, he always gets it. Yeah, but he does text us at 4 a.m. Yes, he yes, does, so yeah, uh, and, and has done that. It's just, uh, it's uh, been a pleasure to work with you, and someday he's going to own this station, as Ron Colgill and I like to say, and we'll be working for him. Um, and Mike is going to be his replacement, and he's in the studio. We're going to have to figure out who's Mike. I'm Mike when this show is on. You're something else, Mike. We'll figure that out. All right, coming up, we're talking local food, how to support your local farmers uh, with the Keep Eating Healthy campaign. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back. Do you know that some kinds of landscaping services are considered essential? even during this time of stay-at-home orders to prevent the spread of coronavirus? Bartlett Tree Experts knows that, and they will be there when your trees need help. With spring storms still a real threat, you might need to have damaged trees or limbs removed at a moment's notice. It's a matter of safety for you, your family, and the public. In addition, what if your tree, possibly an ash tree, needs its scheduled treatment to fight off emerald ash borer or other pests? The good news is that outdoor landscaping provides an opportunity for good social distancing. And Bartlett's teams have all of the resources they need to employ safe operating procedures. After all, safety has always been the linchpin of Bartlett tree experts, and that's not going to change now. So if you think your tree needs emergency treatment, even during this crisis, give the folks at Bartlett tree experts a call. Because even in a pandemic, every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. This is Peggy Malecki from the Smart Talk Radio Network. During the coronavirus outbreak, you can still find fresh, healthy food or help others receive it. Donate money or goods to your local community food bank. Support a local farm or buy a CSA share. Go to feedingamerica.org or ampleharvest.org or mealsonwheelsamerica.org. There's so much to do and so many ways to do it. Don't let anybody go hungry in this time of crisis. We're all in this together. This is an American Red Cross blood donation alert. We are currently facing a severe blood shortage during this coronavirus outbreak. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to make an appointment to give now. Donating blood is safe and can help save lives. Cancer patients, accident victims, and so many others continue to need life-saving blood. Please schedule your appointment now by visiting redcrossblood.org or by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. You can make a difference. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. 
Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. Small food operations of all kinds, farms, CSAs, and farmers markets are going through uncertain times. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki has just launched a campaign called Keep Eating Healthy, which features local food providers. Here's your chance to help our small farmers and their employees get through difficult times. Write to Mike at MikeNovak.net for more information. And you listeners, buy healthy, nutritious products from these local outlets. Let's help each other out. That's Mike at MikeNovak.net. I'm telling you, people are sending me stuff now. And uh, I saw yours last night, Peggy. But I, I I listened to that, but the words are too hard to understand. Um, staying the, inside, staying, staying inside. Ah, 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 staying inside, staying inside. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the way they sang it, it sounded just like the Beach Boys, and you can barely understand the lyrics, which is a shame. So I put the ones that you can you can understand, like this one is um, Andrew Fedorovsky in uh, Evanston, who's a, 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 a fan of the show, sent that to me. Yeah, give me your ding. Just kind of gets clipped there. I'm not sure what the story is. It's these Zoom mics. Nah, that, is, that helped a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't have the same resounding echo. It's it's the smiley ding. There we go. I got the little little guy. Sorry, here. you've you've got two dingers over there. So this is the one I got. Yeah, we'll get you one. <laughs> um, and uh, so anyway, we continue to play. Um, uh, as many of these as we can, because uh, one of the the amazing things that's happened so fast is the booming of talent uh, throughout the land and the world, actually. People just getting creative and going online and celebrating what they can in a time of hardship. And speaking of a time of hardship, I, I can see that, uh, uh, Melissa, you fixed your, your Zoom problem there. <laughs> I think she was sparkly this morning. Sparkly when you first came on there. Um, And that is Melissa Flynn, who's the executive director of Chicago's Green City Market. Uh, We also have uh, on the Zoom our buddy Jody Osmond from Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm CSA. Um, and our, our other guests will be calling in in a couple of minutes. Okay. So they couldn't get the Zoom to work. Is that the idea? Um, Okay. Well, well, They're, they're trying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, the technology is good, except for when it fails. And, yeah. We uh, may wind up with them on the phone. Yeah. So, uh, but let's start with um, uh, what we've done here at the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And, uh, and I hope folks take advantage of it. Uh, and the folks we want to take advantage of it are everybody. that We want farmers and food uh, purveyors and providers uh, to take advantage of this. And our listeners the consumers, because what we've done is created something called Keep Eating Healthy. And the idea is we're trying to get farmers uh, to advertise on the show. Um, and, and believe me, 
the way it's going to work, it's very little cost. And I, and, and I might regret saying this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it out loud, which is we're telling people that if you sell some of your product, you, you can get rid of some of your produce. You can get rid of some of whatever you have in the CSA, whether it's a meat CSA or a cheese CSA or something else. Um, then I want you to pay what you can. If you don't sell anything, you don't owe me a dime. Uh, and that's the way it's going to work right here on the program. So if you're a farmer, uh, a food provider right now, you're listening and you want to get the word out because people need to get the word out because it's things are growing. Mother Nature doesn't care that there's COVID-19 going around uh, among homo sapiens. Uh, Mother Nature is still working and farmers are still working and planting things and are growing food and creating food, raising uh, livestock. And so that's what we're doing. Go to Keep Eating Healthy. There's a logo right at the top of the page mm-hmm. at MikeNovak.net. You click on that and you can contact me, Mike at MikeNovak.net, and get on board. And we'll start advertising for you like we have done for Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm CSA and for uh, Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery. Um, they are a couple of people who said, we're jumping in. The water's fine. And we mm-hmm. glad they did. So, but, but I would encourage everybody to go to that site as well, because there's all sorts of re- sorts of resources and links for more information about buying local food. Right. And the important thing is you click on uh, Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm and you click on Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery and order something from them. That's the whole point. That is the whole point because farmer market, farmers markets are are kind of in a limbo. We'll talk about that in just a second. And and uh, restaurants are shut down, so a lot of their the places they usually send the, their their produce uh, are shut down. And this is tough. These are tough times. So we need to support each other. Uh, so with that in mind, let's go to Melissa Flynn, the executive director of, of Green City Market in Chicago. First of all, good morning and thank you for being here. I'm not Andrew? hearing anything. Do we have? Uh... We, we have Melissa and Jody, but we can't hear them. Uh, check your audio again. Can you hear me? I can hear yep, you. Yeah, we can hear you, Jody. Okay. We'll start with Jody then. Okay. Because Melissa, we're not hearing you. We heard you earlier. And I think you must have hit an audio button on there, well, perhaps while you were doing something else. Uh, and I hope the folks at Control can handle this. So Jody, let's go to you first while we figure out what uh, where Melissa's audio went. Uh, what's it like on the farm? You're out there, you're trying to uh, just carve out a living for yourself. What has COVID-19 done to your operation? As as far as the farm, Mike, um, not a lot has changed because um, we're we're kind of out and fairly isolated um, as far as the farm goes. So it's it's just me um, driving the half mile from our house to the farm, taking care of the animals. I am going um, about t- every two weeks to pick up some feed from my local co-op, which um, they've completely altered their operations. Um, they have an office there where um, farmers used to congregate, um, where they they come in. Um, basically, they've closed their office. I just go with. Um, to pick up a load of feed, they unload it and in, into, into my transport. And I, I take off and, you know, the billing and everything is done without contact. So um, I have to give credit to my, my local co-op um, Northern partners 
for um, you know taking taking a lot of steps to to try and help keep farmers and and their staff safe um, in this. And that's that's one of the the concerns um, I that keeps me up at night is because our um, farm population, especially in the conventional area, are much older, higher risk um, people. Um, over a third of our farmers are are 65 plus, um, and also generally consumers of misinformation or Fox News. Um, so I'm I'm worried that when the crest of this coronavirus waves hits the interior, um, it will disproportionately affect those farmers and all, and that makes it even more critical that local food pr producers like myself and the folks at Prairie Fruits Creamery and CSAs um, feeding a lot of people um, in the state step up, step up to the plate and also that consumers support us because um, food is, is necessary for life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I understand that uh, we have Leslie Cooper band on the phone. Leslie, are you there? I am. Yes. I'm, I'm uh, experiencing a little bit of technical difficulty with Zoom. <laughs> we have really slow internet out here. Uh, so I am on the phone, traditional old fashioned. Yes. <laughs> That's quite all right. It's fine with us. And when you say down there, where is down there? Of course, it's a Prairie Fruits Farm. Oh yes, and Creamery, and uh, what, and you're you're in Champagne, are, right? We are in Champagne. Yes, we are. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know those those college towns. They don't have good internet. I don't know what it is about them. Uh, there's well, a... we're we're in the country, and um, it's kind of you know this kind of highlights some of the other extenuating issues for uh, rural folks, and that's lack of access to decent high-speed uh, broadband internet but that that's so a that's, whole other topic yeah that is that is so that's one problem the other problem is of course uh you have an operation and you're trying to uh survive during this difficult time what does that mean to you right now well this this uh pandemic coincides with the busiest and most stressful time of year for our farm, which is kidding season. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the goat dairying, uh, goats are seasonal breeders. And so we breed in the fall and kid in the spring. And right now we are having, we just hit our, um, I think we're up to 165, 170 kids so far over the past month. Uh, and, um, we are just, it's just nonstop this time of year, no, under normal circumstances, goats giving birth, us assisting, opening the creamery back up, making cheese for the first time for the season. All of those things are just kind of par for the course and then superimpose, uh, pandemic, the closure of restaurants, uh, which have been a huge outlet for our cheese, especially in the spring. Um, and scrambling to find uh, different outlets for our cheeses all of a sudden. I, I imagine you are. So are restaurants the bulk? Uh, do they take the bulk of what you produce? Um, I wouldn't say the bulk. We kind of have a, a nice split um, between what we sell direct retail. And normally our farm would be open this time of year. That's the other thing is we get a lot of visitors in the spring to come see babies, and we're, we're usually selling a lot of cheese and other products 
in the spring out here at the farm. So it's it's not it's not the bulk of our our outlets for our products, but it's um, it's a close to fifty percent um, of of what we produce goes to restaurants. All right, and I see that we have uh, Melissa Flynn back. Um, I can see there you go, and you unmuted. Our, let's see if we can hear you. No. Oh yeah, call call us. Just let's get you on the on the phone. <laughs> She's saying I'm going to call. She just yanked that cord out of there and she said I'm I'm going to call. And I and I want you to do that because we want, we need to talk to Melissa Flynn. So uh, let's go back to Jody there for a, a second. Tell us about the products uh, that you produce uh, on your farm. Thank you, Mike. Um, for the past 13 years, we've been um, a meat and egg um, community supported agriculture enterprise. Um, what that means is we raise beef, chicken, pork, and egg layers. Um, and when a CSA member signs up for a monthly share, what that means is they're essentially doing a subscription to our farm and they get a monthly package that has a selection of beef, chicken, pork, and eggs. Okay. Um, and you've so been, it, uh, you've been, uh, the, the way, the way that works, we have um, a range of options for people. We have people who commit for a year, six months, three months, but we also have what we call a sustaining share, sort of like um, public radio does where you um, commit to a monthly um, payment um, to, to public radio. Our sustaining members com- commit to a monthly share purchase, which um, either comes through an electronic transfer or a credit card or that sort of thing. And basically, we keep charging them until they tell us to stop. So um, we see their regular um, purchases. Okay, we have about a minute here. We'll break and then we'll come back. So let's go uh, to Leslie. So um, I would imagine places like you and Jody, um, you can't really, unless people come to the farm, it's uh, online, it's probably hard to sell things on a product by product basis. Mm -hmm. You actually need kind of a a larger commitment. Is that right? Well, actually, you know, uh, we we have... uh, been toying with the idea of an online store and the crisis prompted me to jump into action and put together an online store, which I did a a little over a week ago. And Mm -hmm. um, the response has been fantastic. We've already received close to 70 orders. Uh, We had our first, we had a cheese cheese drive-through yesterday. Um, People, we assembled people's orders. Uh, We set up a drive-through right in the driveway. They didn't even have to get out of their car. We just okay, I'm going to have to hold you back. there because we need to take a break. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be back and talk more about keep eating healthy. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. As downpours become more common, many people are installing rain gardens landscape depressions in the ground that can capture excess stormwater. But not every plant works well in every rain garden. Finding the right plants for the created conditions can be challenging. That's Jason Cooper of Environmental Consulting and Technology Incorporated. He says some green infrastructure projects require plants that can tolerate high levels of pollution or salt. Others need drought-tolerant species. 
For example, just because a basin collects water on a rainy day does not mean that it's always wet. You might have very sandy soils over a gravel layer that moves water very quickly through the system, and so the plant environment is actually very dry. To help people in the Milwaukee region select the right plants for their projects, Cooper helped create an online tool. It provides species recommendations based on the information users enter about their site's soil depth, moisture, sun conditions, and more. The goal is to assist residents, developers, and municipalities. So that everybody wants to install green infrastructure, and it's done easily and successfully. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. There's a new urgency for people to grow their own food, and thanks to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, your seedlings will be healthier with a better germination rate and faster growth. You'll get lower operating costs and higher yields. That's because the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They have a 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, and they're made in America. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase, and go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. Well, we'll play this again, I guess. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I guess we're still counting flowers on the wall. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Andrew's last day, so we had to figure it was going to be uh, a bit of a train wreck here. Um, so welcome back, and uh, we're uh, talking to folks about the Keep Eating Healthy campaign, and it's not just our campaign, obviously. It's it's farmers and producers all over the country uh, trying to, to keep going uh, during the COVID-19 outbreak. We have Leslie Cooperban on the phone from Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery in Champaign, Illinois. We have uh, Jody Osmond from Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm, Meat and Egg CSA in Ottawa, Illinois, and Melissa Flynn, who I think we're finally going to get to hear, uh, who is the executive director of Chicago's Green City Market. Let's let's try that. Melissa, are you with us on the phone? I am. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning. Yay! The old technology is the best. All right. Woo-hoo. Here we go. Um, Tell us what's going on. We don't have a whole lot of time here in this segment, so and I know there's a lot to say. Uh, you've been doing some pretty remarkable things there at Green City Market. Normally, you'd be having indoor farmers markets. Those have been canceled. Uh, so you've been trying to find ways to get your farmers' goods sold. And, and what did you come up with, Melissa? Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, strange days indeed. So we had to pivot from being an in-person market to quickly as possible being a app-based market where people can order directly from our farmers through the What's Good app. And to make it convenient and as contactless as possible, you can order from multiple farmers at once. We are then aggregating the order and bringing it right to your door. Um, We will send you a text when we're on our way. It's an automated text, so you don't need to come to the door. We won't ring your doorbell. We won't touch anything. It's super easy, contactless, and you get the great, healthy, nutritious food that our farmers have been bringing to you for the last 20 years delivered right to your door. What is that app again, Melissa? What's Good, the What's Good app. But if you go to greencitymarket.org, we have step-by-step instructions on how you can either do it through the app or right from your desktop. 
Yeah, I would just suggest uh, you go to Green City Market, and the way to do that is go to MikeNovak.net and go to the Keep Eating Healthy uh, link and go right there. And we've got the Green City Market link there so you can figure out how to use the app. Um, you talk about food safety, and that's something I want to uh, address with all of you because I think that is a major concern for people. I'll start, Melissa, with you. Uh, you, you mentioned the food safety and people dropping it off. Um, what kind of conversations are you having about that with your farmers? Um, as everyone is talking about right now, to just take those extra precaution steps, of course, follow all the guidelines from the CDC. We are all gloved. We are all masked. We are all taking precautions to make sure that every one of us who's involved in the system is healthy and that as few as people as possible are involved in the system. Um, we're just going above and beyond the CDC recommendations to be just as careful as possible. Yeah, Leslie, I would think that that's an important part of buying from a local farmer, that fewer hands are touching the products. Yeah, absolutely. And we just inherently, as part of being a licensed uh, farmstead creamery, have a lot of food safety protocols already in place. And so it's really easy and just instinctual for us to practice incredibly um, hygienic practices. We, all of our staff uh, have, are thankfully remaining healthy and social distancing. They're basically just going from home to work and back. And everyone knows that if they get sick of any kind of sickness, that they're not to come to work. Uh, and we've, we've added a few extra measures on the dairy side in terms of making sure that everything is uh, handled hygienically. But inside the creamery, it's, it's already set up to produce a super clean and safe product. And then as we're doing our packaging for our online orders, it's just one one or two people that are handling those products. All right. And, of course, uh, we need to mention that goats are cool. They're just cool. All right. <laughs> they are cool. They are. They're, they're rock stars. They're <laughs> rock stars in person. They're rock stars as video subjects. Everyone loves, especially baby goats. They're just mesmerizing. All right. Let's go. Let's go to, to uh, Jody because uh, you have a slightly different situation because you're dealing with different kinds uh, of farm-raised uh, animals and eggs and that sort of thing. So what kind of protocols do you have to put in place? Well, um, like, like Leslie said, um, when you deal with smaller farms, you have your food being touched by fewer people. Um, less, there's less links in the chain. One of the things we've instituted on, on the farm is we're, we're taking daily temperature checks of ourselves and logging that so we have as, as clear of understanding of our health as possible. Um, when we put together our, our food packages, it's Beth and myself who do that. So, you know, we, we have a really good line there. We use um, a couple of different processors, um, which are human scale, um, basically smaller family operations that maybe have a dozen or two dozen employees or less. So um, it's not the massive um, processing plant with hundreds of workers on tight lines and that sort of thing. 
um, that where an outbreak break could really um, get passed along quickly. Um, so those are some of the things. One of the things we've instituted is um, COVID-19 um, delivery protocols. We've um, instituted a drive-through um, CSA pickup where people simply drive up, they, they lower the window so we get their name and know what their order is, and then they pop their trunk and we put it in for them and they drive off. So it's it's contactless. Mm-hmm. Um, we use Venmo payment or Zelle payment, um, trying to, to move almost primarily to electronic payments um, so that we're, we're not touching money or um, that sort of thing. So those, those are some of the things that we're doing. Um, you know, eggs go into new cartons, that sort of thing. Um, do you, do you a, uh, produce your, the, all the eggs yourself? Do you and Beth handle all of the eggs yourself? Yes, we, we, we are the sole producers of our eggs. We do work with a couple of cooperating farms occasionally for beef and pork um, when our demand exceeds what we're, we're growing ourselves. But um, those farms are also following similar um, processes and procedures. Um, and basically, when we get animals from them, it's just a matter of loading them up and taking t- them to our regular processors. I actually got a few hogs from um, our neighbors, Mark and Kristen Bow at La Prior Farm um, last week, and we did the the pig load up completely contactless. Um, so, you know, there, we're, we're really um, aware and following all the guidelines that that we know of, um, we would would prefer that there was more um, specific guidelines coming down from USDA and on a national level. But um, we found that we're we're needing to reach out more to um, local entities. Um, like okay, our mm-hmm. and I will note that uh, all of your animals are treated humanely for those omnivores who are. Uh, for the, whom that is important, and that's great. Uh, let's go to Melissa uh, because um, the indoor farmers markets are closed. Um, what's going to happen when we get to the outdoors? There seems to be uh, an inconsistency about whether that's going to happen or not. What do you know right now? Inconsistency is absolutely the right word. The uh, city and the park district are working through information as they get it. So as you can imagine, it's really changing daily. Um, At this point, we are told we are on hold indefinitely for the outdoor Mm -hmm. season. So we don't know what our date is for the outdoor season. We will absolutely continue to have our ordering program moving, our online ordering program moving forward indefinitely. But what we are doing is getting ready if and when they let us go outside so that we can social distance our tents, have a different protocol for setup of our farmers, how we can do, um, as Jody was talking about, a drive-up kind of situation for people to pick up from the market where they can even order from us online and then just have that as a pickup point. So we're really trying to think of a number of different options that would let us get outside safely. Yeah, especially payment as well, I would imagine. Yeah, but you know, um, I just saw a thing online yesterday, Peggy, uh, Peggy, uh, Kathleen and I were talking about this. There's no indication at all that uh, COVID-19 is spread through money. There's just none. It's not out there. Even surfaces, there's there's a controversy about whether, you know, how how, uh, bad surface uh, contact is for this. And, And this is still all up in the air. So uh, we just have a few seconds left. So, you know, and the other thing I want to say, hey, they're doing outdoor markets in California and they're one of the most successful states out there. So I, 
if it's if it's controlled, I hope we can open the markets. We're out of time. I want to thank you guys for being here. Leslie Cooper Band, go to again, keep uh, eating healthy on our website, berryfruits.com. You can go to cedarvalleysustainable.com. Thank you, Jody, for being on the program. You can go to greencitymarket.org. Thank you, Melissa. And again, buy from these people. Do it right now and support them. Thank you all for being on the show. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back. This is an American Red Cross blood donation alert. We are currently facing a severe blood shortage during this coronavirus outbreak. Healthy blood and platelet donors are asked to make an appointment to give now. Donating blood is safe and can help save lives. Cancer patients, accident victims, and so many others continue to need life-saving blood. Please schedule your appointment now by visiting redcrossblood.org or by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. You can make a difference. From small boat to your dinner table with a quick stop at your doorstep. The seafood at Sitka Salmon Shares comes from a collective of small boat fishermen who respect the ocean and its sea life. They're a community-supported fishery like your CSA. Instead of produce, they bring you responsibly harvested, wild-caught Alaskan seafood. The fish is in season and reflects the limits of nature. You even know who caught the fish. It's right on the box. Sign up today. I did. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. This is Peggy Malecki from WCGO. During the COVID outbreak, you can still find fresh, healthy food and help others receive it. There's the Chicago Community COVID-19 Response Fund, the Greater Chicago Food Depository, My Block, My Hood, My City, and more. Check out Illinois Stewardship Alliance, Chicago Farmers Market Collective, Green City Market, and Naturally Chicago for fresh food sources. There's more out there, so find it. Don't let anyone go hungry in this time of crisis. We're all in this together. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not he knew he had to come in at some point. And here we are doing a tribute to Bill Withers, who we lost. Ain't this no week. sunshine when she's gone. She's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. And Basil thinks that he can sing as well as Bill Withers. I do not think that is the case. Okay. Oh, he's, he's adding harmony. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's, no, he's adding syncopation. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, let's see if uh, Rick DeMaio is online. Rick, have you got any dogs barking in the background? Uh, no, but my dog is right next to me. Okay. Uh, w- would you put your dog on the phone, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all I have to do is, is show him a picture of another dog, and he'll start barking real quickly. All right, show them the picture. I mean, well, let's. I want a duet. Every, all people all over the planet are doing these duets via Zoom and split screens uh, with music, which oh. is just pretty amazing technology, if you ask me. Now we need the dogs barking. D- does your dog do jingle bells by any way, by any chance? No, no, he doesn't. But um, Mike, you got to understand. I try to get my dog to not bark. The last thing I want a dog. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is to encourage him to bark. Well, um, we've only, we've only I, I, I have here. no choice in the matter. He's in the other room. Peggy's <laughs> an innocent bystander. She can't. She she just has nothing to say over whether Basil's going to bark or not. Oh no, I, I understand. I'm actually in the car right now, driving. So he's he's kind of looking out the window. 
um, observing, you know, the trees and the sky. But boy, if he sees a if he sees a squirrel, um, he'll let you know about it real quickly. So squirrel. Right. So let's let's count all the ways that uh, Ricky Mayo is breaking the law right now. Uh, hands free, of course, and uh, okay, being out in public oh, yeah. uh, when you shouldn't be out there, and the dog is Why? driving. I'm, I'm in my car. I'm in my car. It's a it's a it's a private little incubator. <laughs> That's true. It, it, it will. It'll incubate that disease. Oh boy! Nobody's business. Oh boy. Um, anyway, uh, well, that, we go on. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna say we're experiencing the uh, typical ups and downs of April right now, aren't we? Oh God, yeah. Um, you know, we finished up the month of March um, actually on a cold note, but it ended up being four and a half degrees above normal, only because the first two weeks of the month. We're well above normal, um, and yeah, the only thing that is absent of or from uh, a more typical month of April is widespread severe weather. Even though we've had a couple of tornado outbreaks and some really notable, you know, isolated tornadoes. You know, we had our snow in the Rocky Mountains. We had a blizzard up across the northern plains last week, and we'll get some. You know, we'll get some rain this week with a couple of thunderstorms, but thankfully. And hopefully, nothing in the way of any widespread severe weather is expected over the two weeks, over the next two weeks. And that's only because we're going to get back into uh, a somewhat cooler pattern, which could actually yield maybe even some snow across the upper Midwest and the Northeast over the next two weeks. And, and I say that in a gleeful manner because, boy, if we end up with some sort of massive tornado outbreak where FEMA has to respond, um, that would not be a good thing because right now FEMA is stressed to the limit from a standpoint of how many people they have on staff, how many mm-hmm. people they can train. And, you know, typically when we talk about FEMA, we talk about them, you know, responding to a three or four, maybe a five state area. FEMA right now, guys, is responding to all 50 states. So they, yeah. they are about as stressed beyond limits right now. And it would be really hard to keep any type of social distancing if you're rescuing people from floods, tornado cleanups, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, you make a good point there, Peg. It's like, you know, it's not only it's not only the actual, you know, response, but but how do you then put together a response effort when you're trying to get people in one room? So, you know, what, what this virus, you know, has taught us is that, you know, we all of a sudden have to figure out how to do things in a, in a different way mm-hmm. in a hurry. And no one likes to be pushed around and told to do things differently than you would have normally done them when clearly nothing has happened yet. And I always, I always think about how we tell people that you need to, um, you know, basically respond to, you know, the possibility of a Category 5 hurricane or flooding. People say, well, the last time this happened, it wasn't that bad, so why do I need to... You know, why do I need to protect myself? Why do I need to evacuate? And in a sense, this is a reverse evacuation. If you think about it, this is incubating yourself at home based on the fact that science is telling us that if you don't, you could be killed. So think about how we tell people to evacuate because science tells us if you don't, you'll be killed. So in, in a way, this is the ultimate dichotomy in science giving people advice on how to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And what happens if this is still going on in June, God forbid, and we do, and we do have a hurricane, 
and people, and it's a dangerous one, and people are being told to evacuate. Well, the good thing about, you know, June hurricanes, that they're typically more so in the Caribbean. What I'm thinking about now, and this is going to probably begin to make more news in the next week or so, Mike and Peg, is how does it affect the agricultural community? How does it affect uh, migrant workers getting into the fields in parts of Florida, Texas, and California where you have some crops that are going to need, you know, to be harvested? And how does it affect people getting into the fields over the next month or so. So you're going to really start to see this impact places like Nebraska, like Iowa, like Illinois, like Indiana, and like Ohio. The good news is that most farmers are always six feet apart. The bad news is when you start to get into the harvesting of certain crops in certain parts of the country uh, that are already in need of being harvested. So this virus is always going to give us something more to think about. And it's just it just gives us more of a of a of a of a not of a chance, but of a, of a situation to pause and, and think about you know how to go about this the right way to slow the spread so we can get back to normal. You can't rush something like this, and it seems like we're still getting some conflicting information from our government. Uh, the front lines will always tell the generals how bad it is, even though the general says, "I've seen worse." And I think the front lines are the most important people right now. That's a really good point there. Okay, let's get us a forecast for the next week. Yeah, uh, so nice weather today. Um, Mid-50s inland if you live along the lake, like Peg and I do. Uh, Mid-40s if you're lucky. Uh, 50s tomorrow, but 60s on Tuesday and Wednesday with a pretty good chance of some rain. Uh, Late tomorrow night, but a better chance Tuesday afternoon. And then only in the 40s. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with overnight lows in the mid-20s. So we get back into March weather by the end of the week. Pretty cold stuff. And a possibility of some snow later on, huh? Yeah, it's a slight chance. We won't talk about that yet. But next next Sunday, we may be talking about a little bit of white stuff close by, but not overhead. Snow on Easter. All right. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe, all right? I want to thank everybody on the show today, Lisa Hilgenberg, Scott Jameson, Cody Osmond, Wes Gerald, Melissa Flynn. Uh, thanks to Andrew for all the great work that you've done. Uh, thanks to Kayla and Hannah. Until next time, it's go over. green or go home. I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.